Hello, and welcome to the third season of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back. I hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you're here. We finished a three-part series last week. It ended up being a collection of nine questions. Three questions for everyone, three questions for leaders, and three questions for achievers. I really hope you found that helpful. I'm prayerful that it has helped you focus in on what matters, and it has fueled your passion to pursue it. And look, I know it didn't go perfectly. I think it was my first series in over two years, and I did way too much recapping and reminding in each of the two subsequent episodes and burn up space where you probably were just like, hey, get to the point, let's go. So if I ever get the opportunity to do a series again, I promise it will be tighter than that. Each episode, minor recap, jump right into new information. Would that be okay, by the way, if we tried to do that again? Well, be careful what you agree to. We are actually going to follow up with another series, a completely different one, starting today. I tried not to. I have two or three other ideas, some standalone stuff that I wanted to share with you, but for me, whether it's podcast recording or preaching, I have to share what is burning inside of me. It is as close as I know how to represent the spirit moving in my life, and I feel compelled to spend some time talking to you about marriage. I would say of all of the different topics that are suggested and requested that I get via email or Facebook Messenger, marriage and the family is easily at the top of the list. And I am convinced, 100% convinced, that you can boil down all of the sermons on marriage, the classes, the counseling sessions. I've been through all of that stuff with people, plus 23 and a half years of my own marriage. You can boil all of that down to six words, six ideas, to the extent that you do better in just one of these six areas. You will see immediate positive changes in your marriage. If you could get on a roll and do two or three of these things, or even just think of them frequently, I'm telling you, all out transformational. And ultimately, you might find a place for all six of them. Now, I almost never do episodes that focus in on one group of people, like younger or males, or in this case, marriage. So give me a minute to try to keep everybody listening. If you are married, For a long time or a short time, these six things are for you. If you have a great marriage or one that's barely hanging on, these six things will make a difference for you. If you are young and unmarried, maybe you're dating someone, maybe not. Most of what you will hear in these episodes are actually just about you and the work you are doing. You can take these principles to work on yourself and help you pick the right person. If you're 75 years old, you are no longer married or you have never been married, 
and you think there's no way I can attach you to this program, let me just say this. You know someone, don't you? Do you know someone that you love that's in a marriage that could use some help? You can talk to them about Bible roles, and you can send them booklets in the mail, but maybe this short series can give them a half a dozen things that could totally change their future. And honestly, I'm convinced that it will. All right, that's enough with the lengthy introduction and boring stuff. We need to jump right in. It will break down very simply. Two principles today. Short recap next week with two more principles. And then the final two the next week. We'll do a little wrap up. And I'm hopeful you can use it going forward. I'll give you the entire list now. So you'll have at least an idea of what is coming. Today, we will talk about the mirror and the triangle. Next week, Lord willing, we will discuss the strategy and, I think my favorite, the secret. In the last week, we need to spend a little bit of time on the myth and finish with the passage. The single best passage in all of scripture for relationship building. Which reminds me to tell you that most of what you're about to hear will help every relationship that you have, not just marriage. There's a beauty in the way God built connectivity and fellowship to work. There are some universal ideas. And here is the first one for everyone in our series, the mirror. No real surprise here, the mirror is where you see yourself. Very often, people do not see themselves for who they really are. Sometimes people see themselves as better and more right than they actually are. Other times, maybe they see themselves as less than they are. I want to focus on that first thing. I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years. And in almost every case, one person is sure it's the other person's fault. They don't want to look in the mirror. They don't need to look in the mirror. Everybody knows It's her fault. If she changes, all of it will be better. And I'm not saying that's a lie. I'm sure she does have changes to make. But the point is, in my marriage and in everyone I've ever counseled, each person has always had at least one thing they needed to change. And that's really important for you to consider because you are the only person you can change. Great news, the Bible talks about how looking in the mirror and evaluating your needs and addressing them can have a huge effect on the other person. 1 Peter 3 talks about a woman saving her lost husband because she adapted a gentle and quiet spirit. Start focusing on that. Sure, you should look in the mirror and assess what you're doing right and be positive about that, But if there are issues in your marriage, please be able to determine your peace in that puzzle. You know, it's interesting to me in marriage and really all relationships, there is usually one person who is obviously more flawed than the other. Yeah, it's usually us guys, the husbands, not always. But usually one of the people has nine things they need to change and everybody else knows it. Maybe the other person only has one or two issues. But the bigger mistake person usually draws all the attention. Look, we want that guy to change. He probably gets told that often. But you know what I've found? If the stronger person will make those one or two changes in their own life, mirror 
self-evaluation. That one change in them can become the key in unlocking change in the other. I told you a story a couple of years ago, I think it was August of 2019, in an episode titled, Is It Me?, where we ask that important question about my part in what could be better. I told you about a guy named Ignaz Semmelweis. He was a doctor in the 19th century in Europe. He oversaw two hospitals, both of which delivered lots of babies. One was a doctor's hospital, and the other was run entirely by nurses. He was baffled by the fact that the mortality rate among mothers in the doctor's hospital was 18% and only like 5% with the nurses. He tormented himself over trying to figure that out. It was so bad at the doctor's hospital that women would birth their children in the streets, send the baby in and then go home and come out better than if they'd been treated there. He tried to match everything from the one hospital in the other, but nothing made a difference. Not the clergy or the pictures on the wall. And then one day, far too late, he asked an important question. Is it possible that I am the problem? We, the doctors, the wisest people on the premises. And it turns out, they were. You see, back then, they didn't know anything about germs. And doctors would go down into the basement and handle cadavers, dead bodies, not wash their hands, and then go and deliver babies. They were delivering the infection that was killing these mothers. And just by the simple act of washing his hands, the mortality rate dropped down to like 3%, changed lives, affected the hospital next door, and it all started with some honest evaluation. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but there is a super sad ending to that story. Ignez made it his life's work to tell all doctors about it. It's us, guys. We can change and change everything. And so far-fetched was it for the elite doctors that they actually had Ignez committed to a mental hospital, and he died there. It wasn't until years later, after more lives were lost, that they learned that they were the problem. So look, I'm not giving a free pass to the other person. I'm just saying that when two people work on themselves, both of them benefit. I'll just give you a quick list on where you might want to begin. Three things. Honest self-evaluation requires me to examine my faithfulness to God, my responsibility in marriage, my penitence when wrong. Spend some time looking at your connection to Christ. Because the strength of your faith in the Lord will always be the central determinant on the nature of your entire home life and your marriage. Spend time considering your part in that marriage, how she often reacts to things that you say, how his attitude is triggered by yours. That level of self-awareness will be a major advantage in your home as you start to make minor changes and you see what it does to the entire environment. And then lastly in that list, evaluate your penitence when wrong. How often are you wrong? How often is it you that needs to make the changes? And what is your attitude about that? Am I someone who's willing to apologize 
Have I experienced the compassion the Bible talks about when I am open about my mistakes and truly seeking to change? So before we move on to the triangle, let me recap that for you. Look into the mirror and self-evaluate. How faithful am I to God and how can I grow in that? How much responsibility am I taking for the behavior of the other person? And how willing am I to admit when I'm wrong? All right, so our second term is the triangle. If you've ever heard a preacher preach on marriage, you may have seen this triangle before. It represents three persons, you, your mate, and God. It begins by looking at just two circles, you and this person you've fallen in love with. You are inseparable right there together. And once you get married and you get into life, there's a little bit of separation between you with a nice line drawn in between. Life is kind of busy, but everything is still very well connected. But then out of nowhere, this huge block drops in between the two of you. It's called life stuff. And it's any number of things, and it's always full, and it feels like it's always getting bigger, and it is coming between us. This is the point where you realize that you can't spend your whole marriage sitting on a beach holding hands. There is lots that must be done and things just aren't fair. And so people wonder, how can we stay close with all of this happening? Coronavirus or kids, not that those two are the same thing, or money problems or whatever it might be. This is where the triangle comes into effect. I want you to imagine a circle on the left for him and a circle on the right for her and this massive block in between. But at the top, there's another circle. It's God. He is supposed to have been a part of this relationship from the beginning. Maybe he was for you, maybe he wasn't, but he is now. If the husband will move his circle closer to God, can you see it drawing closer? And if she will move herself, her circle closer to God, they will find one another there. Can you see that? A small triangle, three circles, almost touching one another above all of that life stuff that they left below. The problem we see in marriage, even when we claim to love God, is we are separated by all of these things and we blame the things. Like if this life stuff wasn't here, I'd still be able to see her and we'd be close. Or we blame the person on the other side of all that stuff for allowing it to happen. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's quit blaming the person we love. And let's quit blaming the inevitabilities of life. You grow towards God. And if your mate or your friend or whatever relationship it is, if they will do that also... You will always find one another there. And by the way, that's a beautiful relationship. When you always find one another, rising above whatever it might be, in God. And this is how the mirror and the triangle really work together. Because the key here isn't for your mate to move closer to God. We want them to do that, but that's not the key. The key isn't coming up with some coordinated plan where you both grow towards God, though that would be really cool, your responsibility is to rise above the life stuff and become a stronger Christian. That's your main responsibility. And if your mate does that as well, the benefits are immediate and amazing. But even if she doesn't or he won't, at least you will 
and I hope you can visualize the triangle, at least you will have moved up towards the pinnacle where God is. And while your mate still may be down there in the corner unmoved, at least you can see them now. You've risen above the life stuff and you can see that person. And maybe you'll have a clearer view on what to do. And maybe, maybe you can draw them towards the Lord. So we're really back to that idea of what can I do in my walk with God? I want to give you a very simple list as we get to the end of this episode. You can share it with your spouse or the person you're dating or your family or whatever or not because this isn't about them. Today's episode is about you. Okay, four things I want you to consider. Private study, persistent prayer, purposeful worship, and personal application. Yes, they all started with P. It's a preacher flaw, okay? It's just the way that we are. Let me ask you some questions. How is your private study life? The Bible reading that you're doing each day on your own. How is your persistent prayer life? Are you talking to God every day? Are you laying your burdens at His feet and being refreshed by His Spirit? How is your commitment to worship? I don't mean on behalf of your family or because you want your kids to know God. I mean you. Tell me about how important worship is to you, being with God's people. And then personal application. How willing are you to listen to an episode like this and not think about someone else? Only what you can grow in, leaning on the mercies of God, which are new every morning, and just getting better. Now again, someone will listen to that and say, I thought this series was on marriage. Why are you asking me about my Bible study, my prayer life, my worship habits, or my changes? Because that's where it all begins. Those things directly help you unite with God. Hoping your mate will meet you there and drawing them with love. But you're the only person you can control directly, indirectly. You can affect all kinds of incredible things. But it starts with your side of the triangle and the mirror that you have with you. So listen, as we close this thing, please understand me. I'm not asking you to take the blame for everything, and maybe it is 99% the other person's fault. But I am asking you to take control of the things that are within your power to change. And as you do so, you'll know that you're pleasing God and making a better relationship possible. We will have six things in all and a lot more to share, but it starts very simply with the mirror and the triangle. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.